0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Welcome to another
0: episode of the Wise Money
1: Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial players on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh
2: Gregory. Have you heard of bonds before? That's our question today. If you haven't, these are the government uh, savings bonds that are linked to inflation. They're a special version of savings bonds. And with inflation on the rise, it's surging lately. They're getting lots of attention. And maybe here's why. They're paying over 9.5%. So if you haven't heard, uh, we're going to share with you how these investments work. When should you use them? What do you need to know all on this show Today. And there's a catch. There's a catch to that. These things are complicated.
1: We're going to hit that. If you have a question for the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can engage with us and ask questions a few different ways. Call or text 574 222 2000. That's 574 222 2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. And then all over social media, to where most engagement comes from. You can find us on the YouTube channel, Facebook, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. Early on in my career, Josh, I'm assuming you remember this as well. Kevin sharing savings bonds are some of the most complicated investments out there. Yeah. And as, you know, just a kid, you're trying to draw on your own life experience entering into this career and you're like, Oh yeah, I've heard of savings bond, you know, grandma bought me one way back when and blah, blah, And Kevin just, no, these things are some of the most complicated. Yeah. I, at first, I didn't believe them. Yeah. And I suppose over time, as we've gone into this super low interest rate world for the past decade or more, uh, if, why invite that level of complexity if you're not getting any return? So meh, you know. Mm-hmm. But if they start paying a decent interest rate, maybe it's worth inviting that complexity. And yeah, nine point six two percent is what these I bonds, and that's not Apple's version of a bond. That's inflation bond. I know it's a dad <laughs> joke. Kevin enjoyed it, and uh, I actually did that's, it, that's good stuff. So, so there. I mean, maybe you should invite some complexity, but we're gonna break that down first the big question though guys i'm just going to tell you is should you be investing in i bonds where do they fit in your financial life we're going to get there first let's talk about that that interest rate where's it come from what is it how does it work blah 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 it's not easy it's not straightforward
2: right well there's actually two components to the interest rate and just a normal interest rate that you will get for the entire life of the bond and then there's an add-on interest rate that's based on inflation and you'll get that for six months at a crack, and then they'll change the inflation component of this thing. Could you imagine if you got 9.62%
1: locked in every year for 30 years, I think we'd be done. This would be our last episode of the Wise <laughs> right. Money Show. Just do that, right? <laughs> That's right. So no, there it does. it doesn't work like that the uh what what was the interest rate prior to and when does it change do you remember i think it was seven and change
2: yeah i mean it it was significant before but it's been leaping over Mm -hmm. the recent six months so so this interest rate that's in place right now has been in place since the beginning of may Yep. so they change in april and they they'll change again officially in i guess november it'll begin applying but uh for for six months they set this interest rate and the portion that's changing is just the inflation portion. It can go up and down, but uh, as you know, if you've been paying attention at the grocery store, at the gas pump, everywhere in your life, inflation is very real right now. Mm-hmm. And it's having an impact not only on things like your Social Security payout and, and whatnot, but even on these I-bonds. And uh, so, so 9.62%, that's got a lot of people's attention, and it's like, well... Boy, why why don't I throw all kinds of huge money into these things?
1: Well, there's a catch and we're going to get to that too, but a little bit more on the interest rate. So the fixed component of it right now is 0 and let me just look at the history. Yeah, it's been 0 on these things or or pretty close to 0 for gosh, since 2010. So so the fixed component is is essentially 0. Uh, With these, it's the inflation component that changes. Now, Mm -hmm. what happens when inflation stabilizes? You know, the interesting thing about inflation is some, I, I would say it's both a economic sort of mystery. We're not fully sure. People are not fully sure how it comes into existence. That's a joke. Um, but, they, but, but politicians uh, will tell you that. And then really how to get rid of it. And that's also a joke as well. Politicians tell you it's not real. Yeah, well, that, that too. But what happens, I mean, inflation is a rate of change number. So in order, we were talking to an individual recently, if, if gas prices went from, let's say, uh, $2 a gallon to $4 a gallon, in order to stay at that same inflation rate, they need to go from $4 to $8. Right. And I I know I'm, I'm, you know, fudging a little bit there, but at some point, inflation will taper, even if that's in a couple of years. And that inflation component on the bond can go negative. But there's a component in here where your return won't go negative. But you could get this high, really great rate of return right now. And in a couple of years, it could be zero Mm -hmm. interest rate.
2: Well, when you consider the alternative, you know, if you've got money just sitting in the bank and it's earning even if you were earning a half a percent or something you really are losing ground on that money and so yes it's a half a percent of positive growth but these inflation protected bonds essentially um these savings bonds they're providing at least enough interest rate theoretically to keep up with inflation now you could argue that real inflation is is something more than what is being published but uh the point is is you've got a a genuine rate of return right now that's at least keeping pace with inflation. So, right, so the tricky thing is
0: what's my operating system and does it fit. I know we're going to get into that, but I I still stand by my earlier comment that savings bonds are some of the most complicated investments mm-hmm. in existence. There are billions of dollars still of savings bonds that aren't paying any interest Mm -hmm. because they went from double e bonds to hh bonds to nothing Mm -hmm. like they're they so you could go cash that in and pay that big tax bill uh, on everything that you've accumulated but you you're You haven't earned any interest since it stopped.
1: Well, okay, so let's talk about that. Here's one of the catches with this. Yeah, that that 9.62%, that will change uh, every six months. If you you say, wow, this is a great idea, I'm going to do this, then you're going to earn that 9.62% for the next six months as long as you get into that bond before um, the end of October. But the interest rate will change starting November 1. So you'll own it you'll have that interest rate for 6 months and then it will change. Uh so therefore how long do you need to hold these things? Should I just hold it for 6 months and cash out, you know if the interest rate goes down? No, you you, you can't. You there's a 12 month minimum hold on these things. Right? You have to hold it for at least a year. Exactly. And if you
2: cash it in within 5 years, yeah, you you're going to you're going to give up 3 months worth of the interest at that point. That's right. right. Cuz that would be considered an early withdrawal in in the case of I bonds.
0: Right. So this is where, as you look and you say, how does this fit into my portfolio? This is not money really that I need. It's not, all right, well, I have a choice between putting it in the bank at point nothing. And uh, no, I'll do an I bond. Because even right now, uh, you know, an online money market account or high-yield money market accounts are, are are north of 1%. Yeah, thankfully,
1: they're back there. Yeah,
0: so if you said, well, it's it's 1%, well, if I put $10,000 in an I-bond, that's the same thing as having $90,000 at a 1% uh, online money market account, which I know we don't do math on the radio. Are you but you just
1: rubbing that in my face? Go ahead. No, <laughs> that's well, That's fine, yeah. that's fine. No, feeling, it's just... hurt, but keep going.
0: Right. You know, there are a lot of people that just had to... Um, you know, grab a pencil and a piece of paper <laughs> yeah. and try and long, long confirm hands. that that was correct. But So so it can be, um, as as with every other financial instrument we talk about, this is a tool. Mm-hmm. So the question is, does this tool fit on my tool belt in my toolbox?
1: Yeah, to me,
0: if you're getting 9.62% on,
1: on your I-bonds and your cash, your emergency fund, mm-hmm. is sitting at... 1.2%, I want to put all my money in in I bonds. In fact, if you look at I bonds and say, "Hey, that's a improvement on just normal bonds." Mm-hmm. I don't want to hold any bonds. I want all of it to be in I bonds. And here's the here's the catch, folks. You can't. We're going to talk about that limitation but then further, where should this fit if it should in your overall financial life? So we've got that and a lot more coming up on the Wise Money show with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with
1: Corhorn Financial Group. Should you put all your money into I-bonds, inflation bonds, savings bonds that are paying over 9.6%? Good idea. Not gonna happen, actually. We're gonna help you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Talking about I-bonds and, and whether you should invite that complexity into your overall financial life. And if so, where should it fit in your financial plan? But before we get to that question, we just got to level the playing field. How in the world do these things work? Yes, they're paying a great interest rate. It's only for six months. Then it will change. I don't know, guys. My guess, what's inflation done? Headline, CPI, inflation, blah, blah, blah. Um, from April to the last time they announced what the interest rate was. From April until at least right now it's gone up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I would expect you heard it here first but don't quote me on it. <laughs> when when we get that next interest rate announcement in October that will start in November, my guess is it goes up a little bit more.
2: That's my guess. Yep. Double, I would I would support that double digits. So
1: um okay, so can you put all your money in these things?
2: No, and and that's part of the Depends how much money you have. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Depends how much you, as have. Long, <laughs> you have. As long
0: ten. as you have exactly
2: ten thousand dollars, you can put all your money in there. <laughs> Good point. Well, and and technically, it, it's based on uh, social security number as well. So if you're married, you and your spouse can each do ten. Right. That's correct. And but but per year.
1: Per, That's
0: right. Per year. Yeah. But but this is this is where it gets again. It's the complicated piece because if you've ever worked on a government website um, some of them are pretty decent but some of them are a challenge I
1: think this one's run on the DOS system yeah. right? like way back way back when yes mm-hmm.
0: and you can only use a dot matrix printer if yeah. you're printing off of it so um, so the problem is if you have one person that typically runs the finances in your household you have to have two different accounts so if you've ever done that um, ask your spouse is it is it really fun to try and access an account that's mm-hmm. in my name, and they say, uh, but you're not uh, your husband or you're not your wife. Okay. Yeah, no, but this is our money. Nope, we're not talking to you. So you have to have two separate accounts, and there's two-factor authentication, and so if you're not together when you're doing your stuff to access the information, it's gonna, it might be a little source of frustration.
2: It it will, and just to clarify here, if you're wondering, well, what kind of account are we talking? This is an account that you open directly with the government on their website, and it's Treasury Direct is uh, is the site. So you're opening one in your name, one in your spouse's name, separate username, separate password, all of the multi-factor authentication and everything. So the hassle factor related to managing these dollars you almost are going to have to think of it as something that you're going to set and just forget about it mm-hmm. because you're not going to want to go back and uh, and, and be visiting these dollars all that often um, when it's that difficult to, to, to deal with. And that's the problem because your mind never lets you fully forget about these things. So it's a
0: dangler out there and it's <laughs> like, but uh, there's some, oh, those eye bonds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing is when you're setting it up, you have to, use your mouse to click on the various letters because when you go to when you go to login they have a basically a picture of a keyboard and you have to hover over the actual letter or number character and then click on that well if you've if you're using last pass and you created a 16 character (laughs) uh <laughs> yeah, password that no one will th- that ever that no one will ever including uh, yourself 15 get, minutes be to able to in. get right <laughs> so you can <laughs> 15 minutes to log in is like record time john so so you want to you want to be thinking through that and you almost want a picture now amy has a client who figured out a hack to get around that yeah went into the source code right and like yeah i don't know it, but she sent <laughs> it to, she sent yeah. It to, yeah. yeah she sent it to me and i said Nope, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a life hack. So I, what I did is I figured out what what would what would be an easy uh, password. A A A A A one one zero zero zero. Well, there you go. That's how you get to Kevin (laughs) McCall.
1: Have fun. But you remember, you can't hack into it for ten (laughs) thousand. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. So so I would make sure I'm using LastPass because your user ID is your Treasury Direct account number right who's going to remember that one and then you and then it's tricky with the the whole password thing and if you want to do it for you and your spouse you have to have two accounts
1: well even trickier i mean you got to sort of appreciate the government by saying well if you want to invest in these things you got to do it online direct and you can go to the website even though it's archaic and get it set up but that's not all folks <laughs> you can actually buy up to five grand a year through your tax return. Yeah, this is crazy. What in the world? Just right <laughs> there. If we're talking to, if if we started the show by saying these are some of the most complicated investments out there, you might be thinking Wow, that's super convenient. But you'd be in the minority if you're thinking that. That is wildly complicated. That you could buy additional I bonds.
2: It's worse than that, though, because it's not going to show up in that account you created for your other ten thousand. They're going to send you a paper version. Yeah. My so now you've got to find somewhere safe to keep that thing. Yeah. It, it, it. We got to stop belly <laughs> aching. No, no. Is, but listen, if you have, but who designed this if thing? You, Seriously.
1: Hey,
0: we're from the government and we're here to help but listen i'm telling you if you have any whiff of conspiracy you'd say uh probably i'm going to pass on that but if you can kind of plug your nose and and do this thing it's it it can be a decent deal all right so you can you could put all your money in there if you had 10
1: grand or you can slowly do it over time these are per calendar year so you can put Ten grand in now, and put ten grand in in January, I assume, and then you'll have to wait the next January, and you could slowly slowly accumulate. But I guess the point—we're going to get to this in just a moment—that slowly, my guess is, we get back to normalized inflation. Could take a couple mm-hmm. years. I mean these. They don't know what they're doing, by the way, if you haven't figured that out at the Fed. So it could take a couple of years, but at some point, these interest rates will come back down to earth, and you might not want to hold these for 30 years, which is your actual maturity. Talk about the tax benefits, Josh, tax features of these things.
2: Well, so as you accumulate interest, and you know it's it's building over time, it gets credited to you on a monthly basis, but it actually compounds just twice a year. Even even that's another weird feature in and of itself. But the cool thing about this interest is it's state income tax free, but you do pay tax on the on the federal side and state and local, state and local. Thank you. Coming to Papa. Yeah.
1: There is the feature with all savings bonds, my understanding, you can use them for education and Mm -hmm. be exempt from that taxation at the federal level. However, there's a gotcha there as well. Your income needs to be below certain thresholds. And I believe for married filing jointly, it's approximately 153,800 to be exact. See that? (laughs) Bam, just pulled that out. And, uh, And that's modified adjusted gross income. If for single- or had a household I think it's around 98, thousand if you're married finally and separately sorry there's no way to exclude these the this income even if you're using it for education. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of tax update there. Any other details about how this thing works Do we,
0: we said two two ways that they're taxed you can you can pay it go ahead so you can pay it every year you can pay the interest every year or you can pay the interest at the end And so this can be tax deferral. Basically, and there's there's another so and maybe this needs to wait until the next segment, but there's there are some strategies where this could fit into your financial plan. Mm-hmm. But what I wouldn't do is is I would not get all excited. Um, I've talked to a few interns this summer and they see us helping clients with i bonds and they're like, Oh man, I I need an I bond. I'm like yeah. No, you don't. No. You need a pair of like three feet tall speakers that can rock the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Save your money for that stuff. Oh, uh,
1: okay, so so we've, we've reached this point. All this discussion about how this thing works and, and some of the features and everything is part so that you can know as you're thinking through, should I consider this, whatever, so that you know how this thing works, the complexity you're inviting into your financial life. But now the big question. Should should you invest some dollars here? And if so, where do they fit? When would they not fit? We're going to hit all of that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Where do I-bonds fit in your overall financial life? If, if you're retired, do they deserve a spot there? If you're you know, work working that three bank account system? Is this part of your emergency fund? We're going to help you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, along with a whole bunch of other content, by the way. If you've thought about it, maybe experienced it in your financial life, odds are we've got a video and some content about it to help you navigate that and the big idea, keeping it connected to all six areas of your financial life. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, follow us there, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content. All right. Hopefully, if you've listened to the first half of the program, you understand what an I bond is, some of the features, and maybe you got a, a giggle or two along the way. Now the big question: Should you invest in them, and where, if they fit in your financial life, where should they fit in your financial life? Um, can I can I start? I think the obvious question is, well, I've got this money sitting in the bank earning nothing. I'm assuming I should just take that and put it in I-bonds. And the follow-up question is, well, what's that money for? And mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's for, well, I mean, let's take the most common. It's there for emergencies. I'd be careful. You never know when an emergency fund will pop up. I mean, one of the three rules that I have about your emergency fund is it needs to be FDIC insured. Yep, it needs to be free, but it needs to be liquid because at any moment, they could shut the economy down. And ju- and just, uh, you know, we can laugh about that, but it was the end of January, January 28th, I believe. I'm at a pizza shop. My family and another family and uh, friend says, hey, have you heard about this this?" thing in from Wuhan and I'm like and I kind of played it off like oh yeah yeah yeah, it's crazy I hadn't really (laughs) by the end of January wasn't even really in the know and one month later we had the economy shut down so you just you just never you Mm -hmm. just never know what the what are the odds of that happening I would said never in our lifetime it happened so emergency fund dollars need to be liquid now if you've got a robust emergency fund and you're comfortable slicing off five grand or ten grand from that maybe work with your cfp but i wouldn't just look and say "Well, i've got 20 grand in my emergency fund that's 10 grand for my bond and 10 grand for my wife's i wouldn't do it
2: well it's possible though that you have that 20 grand or so in an emergency fund but you also have money built up in bucket number two that we're often talking about which is your delayed spending account, and that, that may be money that you're intentionally accumulating for big-ticket items or expenses out there on the horizon, and it could be years away. You know, If, if you're saving up for a car that you're going to purchase in six years, well, you've got some money there that's accumulating, and yes, unfortunately, earning almost nothing and actually losing ground because the, the price of those cars are, are growing far faster than what your cash is, potentially. And so, so there are some times where you might say, "Well, yeah, if I could get a decent rate of return, a really great rate of return right now, um, on ten grand, should I do it?" And e- even though you're tying up some of that some of that cash, remember you have to hold these things. If you're not going to give up any of the interest, you have to hold it for five years. Yep. But if you cash it in after one year, you're only giving up three months' worth of interest, and you still may be money ahead to to have some of that cash temporarily tied up
0: yeah three months interest at at this rate is basically two you know two and whatever percent yeah Mm -hmm. again again, not doing math so the 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 use case for these is i have excess money that is not for um really my long-term uh use it's it's somehow in between so think about that that could be in five years i have a kid going to college yeah and i'm i've already used i've i've, I've put i'm putting my five grand a year into the 529 plan so what else could i do i have some extra money um i that my <clears throat> maybe my kid has earned some money they want us they're saving money for college and they're five years out but the reality is if they're more than a year out yeah so, yeah, I mean, let so you really, the big idea is have your kid pay the tax on the earnings of this thing. This is, yeah. th- that'd that be a good thing. A lot of, there are a lot of folks that have looked and for for the people who have had outsized financial results in their lifetime, <clears throat> there are a number of different scenarios that create that. But they're saying, hey, I don't want to pay federal estate taxes on this. Money, so I'm going to start a gifting program in my lifetime, and so the the, the federal estate tax exemption is twelve million sixty thousand um, this year, and so they say, hey, I can give sixteen thousand to anyone this year, and so maybe part of that sixteen, ten of it goes into an I bond for your nephew, or your child or your grandchild
1: that's like giving someone a liability that you're handing over some complexity they're going to be in three years or five years or 10 years they're going to say wait a second what what is this thing how does this work again i mean to me kevin those are those are the stories made up in that billions of dollars of bonds that are just sitting there earning nothing
2: yeah people don't realize they matured and they're not even earning anything anymore think about it sitting in a savings people that have that kind of money have that kind of money because they give
0: away their liabilities. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want this complexity uh-huh. anymore. <laughs> now <laughs> I get go. it. That's <laughs> why you get really rich. I,
1: I don't. I don't think this is a five-year hold. I, I don't. I, my guess is we get two years into this thing and the interest mm-hmm. rate goes back to one percent or or. Inflation flatlines and therefore, you know, because it's been so hot for so long, it flatlines and you have a zero percent interest rate for a potentially for a couple of years and you get out of these things. That's my guess. It's already lasted. The interest rate being this high or inflation rate being this high, it's already lasted a little bit longer than what I expected. I don't know. So I'm wrong all the time. No one can see the future. I bet we got another year, a year and a half of decent interest rates, and then this thing flatlines.
2: Well, even in that scenario, though, of gifting money to a younger generation, wouldn't you be encouraging them to be investing in the market right now? Yeah. If you can buy the stock market cheap or cheaper today, Mm -hmm. and it's someone who's got decades ahead of them, Um, boy, the the, the buying opportunity just seems more tempting than the... Even though you can state with confidence, I know that interest rate is 9.62% right now. You can only state that for the next six months. Mm -hmm. And even if it goes a little higher after that, before it goes lower again, uh, you you don't really know how long you're going to benefit from those higher interest rates. But the stock market, man, if it is wildly unpopular right now that is the time to be buying right especially if you're young
1: yeah that means future returns are likely going to be higher than uh than the average Mm -hmm. if if it feels unpopular right now
0: yeah well so this is a risky investment and what's the risk the risk is that i get all excited about it today i go on to treasurydirect.gov set up my account put 10 grand in there and then never look at it again Mm-hmm. and the other risk is is that i set it up at, because it can only be in, in an individual account and i don't put a, a secondary person on that account right mm-hmm. so, so when you pass away so for sure what you need to do once you've funded it add your spouse add your child add your parent add whoever
1: Uh, (laughs) i want to add one other use case here so if you've got some emergency fund i wouldn't use it for your primary balance but if you've got excess maybe something to consider if you've got delayed spending where you're saving up money to spend in the future but you know this future expense isn't for you know three years out or four years out five years out maybe some of these go there you're just adding a lot of complexity though if you're in retirement or near retirement you've got your short-term dollars that you're using to supplement your retirement income, this is not for those, but just beyond that, you've got another bucket of dollars that's there. Well, I'm going to need, this is the money I'm going to spend in three years or four years or five years out. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe some of that. And it's unfortunate. That's where I wish you could take a hundred grand or 200 or 250 and throw it into this thing. You can't because that's a great use case for, retirement dollars that are not in tax shelters that you're going to use in three, four years. That's a great use case for this. Doesn't fit for each person. Work with your certified financial planner. See where this does fit. They can help give you some guidance there. All right. We've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Thanks for being here. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Search The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Subscribe to it there. Follow us, whatever. Rate the show as well. We appreciate that wherever you listen to podcast. Thank you very much. All right, we've been talking about I-bonds and whether they fit in your overall financial life. We provided sort of three use cases. Um, Be mindful of that. I think the interest rate, I guess if you could summarize, the interest rate is extremely appealing that you've got to consider, you've got to ask the question, work with your CFP, does this fit, and if so, where? But some people, I fear look at this interest rate and say, well, it might not fit, I'm gonna cram it, you know, sort of square peg, round hole sort of situation. I'm gonna cram it in and they don't realize, well, I've just crammed it in and I've created a lot of complexity in my life. I'm only getting this interest rate for six months. I'll probably only get a competitive interest rate for 18 months and I don't have great clarity and visibility on this and if I pass away, likely it gets lost and all sorts of other things. Don't cram this into your financial life with an interest rate like that, you've got to consider it. Don't cram it in.
2: That's exactly right. And like every other investment decision that you're going to make in your financial life, we think of this as a financial planning decision. And so it should be part of your overall financial plan, something that you're discussing with your certified financial planner. And I'm reminded by uh, something that you shared with me early in my career, Kevin, and uh, this is a phrase we've heard in other books and things, but um, it, these may be a good idea for you, but the question is, is it a great idea? And good is the enemy of great. Good ideas get in the way of great ideas. And the only way to really discern whether or not something truly does fit for you in your unique situation is to have an overall financial plan. So make this a point of discussion with your certified financial planner. Don't just go charging in because you're hearing lots of people talking about it or you're tempted by that interest rate. Understand the benefits and the negatives the the pros and the cons and and make sure that this really is the right thing for you yeah
1: yep well said all right let's transition to questions from fans of the show first one here from johnny uh if payroll if i've got an hsa and i'm contributing and i'm contributing through payroll deduction it avoids fica but what happens if i make a direct contribution to my hsa you know where I just need to max it out and I've got another 1,000 or 1,500 that I can contribute in order to max it out, do I miss out on that, albeit small, FICA avoidance benefit? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, which is why. So there's a couple of ways. Oh, okay. Let's break this down. There's three ways to get money into your HSA. One is you can do our favorite contribution, which is payroll deduction. Directly out of your paycheck that avoids federal and state taxes if you're subject to state taxes, but it also avoids that four letter F word FICA. OK, <laughs> um, note that those dollars that go in there, they're not counted as part of your wage for Social Security. I've only known one person that has really gotten upset about that. Uh, <laughs> Most people say it's you know that's it's a rounding error no no big deal so you avoid FICA that saves you 7.65 percent that's the first way that's our favorite way second way and there's a question we're going to hit in just a moment uh, about folks that can only contribute this way but you could also just contribute right out of your checking account you you don't need to contribute out of your paycheck you can contribute out of your checking account when that happens you're taking basically after tax money and throwing it into your hsa and you get a deduction then on the front page of your tax return to, to move it to pre-tax so that means that money saves you federal and then state and local taxes but there's no catch-up FICA, you know benefit mm-hmm. those are the two primary ways the third way that you can get money into an hsa is you can move money once in your lifetime from your ira into your hsa I've never seen anyone do it nope. um, because it counts towards your contribution limit for that year. So you can only do up to, you know, your normal contribution limit. And you can't also contribute cash and transfer money from your from your IRA into your HSA. So most often, if you're looking and saying, well, this is my last hurrah here to get money into the HSA, you're finding cash to mm-hmm. do it. Now, I suppose if you're looking saying, I can't fund my HSA this year, I normally can each and every year, let's transfer some IRA into the HSA, you, you can do that. It's complicated, very complicated,
2: but you can only do that once in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So. That seems like a situation where maybe, boy, like you don't have the money to cover a big deductible. You know you've got a big surgery or something, and maybe you do the transfer from the IRA because you're unlocking some dollars that otherwise would have been taxable. Because when you pull money normally out of an IRA, you're going to pay tax on on those dollars. But out of an HSA, the beautiful thing is, is that if if it comes out and you're using it for medical expenses, it's tax free to you. Mm-hmm.
0: Does yeah. that remind me the IRA the transfer to the HSA? Does that count towards my max for the year? Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. <clears throat> yeah, so you can't
1: contribute cash as well. Yeah i got a couple other HSA questions. Let's sneak this one in. Here we go from Paul. uh, Is there an issue with an owner of an S-Corp, a greater than 2% uh, owner of an S-Corp, funding their HSA from their own personal account with dividends, thus not paying the Social Security and Medicare taxes? Okay, so this is tricky. If you're a greater than 2% owner in an S-Corp, is it two or five?
2: I think, I think it's too. Yeah, I, I think so too
0: as
1: well. You actually are not allowed to contribute directly out of your paycheck. That favorite, that, that payroll contribution, our favorite way of funding the HSA, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people, hey guys, just real quick, as you've told that to business owners, do they enjoy hearing that or no? <laughs> no. That is, I don't <laughs> know this why. This is a group that always feels like they've got a bullseye on their back, right? Yeah. And, and you know, there's an explanation. It's not a great one. But, uh, but, but, yeah, you're actually not allowed to do it. Most companies don't know that you're not allowed to do it. And oftentimes when you tell a business owner you can't do this, they look at you and say, what are you talking about? I've been doing this for years. Okay, but technically you're not allowed to. And so Paul's point here is, okay, if I'm not doing that, but I just pay it out of dividends and whatever, yeah, ab- absolutely. He's talking about structured his business so that the profits or the growth avoid FICA tax as well. Via an S corp election, yeah, that's right. just fine. That's a personal, personal income. Taking some of that money, making a, a contribution in your HSA, it becomes a deduction on the front page of your tax return. Absolutely, Paul, that works. Yeah,
2: yeah. It can come from that source. It could come from just cash you've got built up somewhere. Could be money you just inherited, money that was gifted to you. All of those would, you know, typically be sources of of money that have already been taxed. But you're throwing it into the HSA and then getting that upfront tax deduction on your on your tax return. So yeah. all of those are are good plans. And unfortunately, it just it means that you don't get to avoid that that FICA tax uh, or get to save that FICA tax like your employees would. Yeah, on some of your wages, mm-hmm. right? whatever your salary you pay
1: yourself. And you can go up to a fan of the show, Mr. B. He has lots of comments on on YouTube. Appreciate that. Thanks for your listenership, Mr. B. All right. So we talked about this strategy a while ago. So you submitted this question a couple months ago. How does it work if you've got a young adult who's covered by their parents' high deductible health insurance plan, but that individual is not a dependent on their tax return? Under that high deductible health insurance plan, the family coverage and whatever, that parents are eligible to make a contribution to the HSA of $7,300. Is that still? It might be a touch more for this year. Is there anything that young adult can do? The answer is no. Even though they're not a dependent and they're filing a separate tax return, that young adult is not able to contribute also to They're a separate HSA or whatever because they're on a family health insurance plan. Mm -hmm. The strategy, if you remember what we were talking about, and this is confusing, is you've got this situation where, what is it, kids up to age 46 now can stay on your health insurance, (laughs) I think is the rule. 26 now. Um, as,
2: as long as your kids don't have grandkids of their own, then they are allowed to stay on your health insurance <laughs> plan. Like, we'll probably get there.
1: And uh, and so so anyway, there's very likely going to be a scenario if you're having kiddos stay on your health insurance plan up until that age, they're no longer going to be dependent on your tax return. Let's gosh, let's hope not, right? And if that's the case, but they stay on your health insurance plan, can they make a contribution into the HSA? So therefore, you make a full family contribution, and they also make a contribution. No no they 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 can't the strategy then would be if that young adult has little income should they peel off of the family plan and get their own high deductible health insurance plan possibly at very little monthly cost maybe even free based on current premium tax credits that by the way if nothing is changed and I'm not advocating for that we're going to see that that premium subsidy cliff come up, maybe we'll have time to hit that. And, and it, so, but anyway, if they get their own high deductible health insurance plan, they might pay very little premium, and that would then allow them to contribute an
0: individual contribution to their HSA. Yeah. If they go by the rap name little income, they're not going to have any. They won't pay anything for their health plan. Yeah, right. Under current law, Yep. Yeah.
2: So
1: but so it would
0: allow them to
1: contribute up to I think 3650. I don't
0: have it right in front
1: of me into the HSA. You so mom and dad would still have a family plan. They'd still be able to contribute the 7300 or 7350 whatever it is. And so the entire family, now the entire family's deductible is now bigger,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right? Cuz if Junior gets, you know, falls off of a motorized scooter in Indianapolis, shatters his elbow, that's going to be a deductible. Mm-hmm.
0: That never happens.
1: That would never happen. And um, and then mom and dad, if they had medical bills, they'd have a separate deductible. But if you're if everyone's healthy, you'd have more that you can contribute to the HSA, and avoid taxes on.
2: And if your head is spinning right now. Uh, just recognize you're, you're not alone in this. This is incredibly complicated, and it happens at points of transition for families. It's it's as young adults are kind of going off, getting married, moving away, graduating from college or grad school or, or whatever. And I, I actually encountered this just this past summer where uh, I, I had a family where... Uh, the two oldest daughters, one was graduating from grad school, the other one just got married, and they were all, all three, you know, were the parents, the two daughters, they were all in different states as well. So you had the, the added complexity of, well, is my doctor up here in, in network and so on? But the, the beautiful thing was if you have a health insurance expert who is a part of your team, and can collaborate with your certified financial planner, these things can be worked out. And it is quite a nerdy activity, and Mm -hmm. yes, your head is spinning, but there are people in this world, believe it or not, that actually get excited to go help you solve problems like this. Mm -hmm. And if they're competent and they understand all the questions and the nuances and the pros and the cons of all these different uh, avenues that you could go, they can help you sort your way through different options. And that's the beautiful thing about financial planning is when you have choices in your life, you need to have a game plan or a methodology for deciphering, well, what is the best choice from amongst all these options? And boy, health insurance has gotten nothing but more complicated over recent years here.
1: Isn't that interesting? Financial planning, you could almost uh, describe as trying to create as many financial options uh, at your disposal as possible. And then financial planning is also figuring out which of those options is the very best one. That's right. If you do, if you aren't proactive in your financial life, you're not working with a financial coach, you're not going to have many options. You, you're you're going to have very few choices. You haven't saved up as much, whatever. And then it will be very difficult to then discern, even if you've got a, just one or two choices, which one is the best one for you. Work with a certified financial planner on that. I hope that helps, guys. That's All the time we have for today on behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. So we can have Irma Limits up there. I just heard that. Oh, that really makes me nervous, Lindsay. I'm going to try not to freak out. Is that battery dying or something? Nope, that's the sound
2: of we're going to start recording freaking out do you wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night hearing that sound (laughs) freaking out here on april fools i'm going to change your ringtone to that (laughs) securities offered through silver oak securities member finra
0: slash sipc advisory services offered through kfg wealth management llc doing business as Corehorn financial group kfg wealth management llc and silver oak securities incorporated companies are unaffiliated